All right, and we're back for another episode of Developing Communities, the DevRel podcast. And today we have a great guest. We have a developer advocate, senior developer advocate from Hawaii, uh, Zachary. So thanks so much for, for, for joining us, Zachary. No problem. Zachary, thank nice you. And as always, we have uh, Alex with us. Uh, from uh, PonyCode, the growth hacker in residence. <laughs> Are you give me a different title every week. Like last week was developer well, marketing. I'm still trying to do a developer relationship and some marketing. So yeah, you're you're in this phase of the startup where it doesn't really matter. Like you have to do everything anyway. So so you, you can't change your you can't change your title every week. <laughs> so we'll see what will be next week. Uh, now today, I have a great topic, uh, one that I'm interested in, one that I know uh, not a lot about, and I have to admit, I'm not great uh, with the whole social media aspect of this, but today we're going to be discussing social media, but in particular, some of the more fringe social media or the newer social media um, that's come out and how, as developer advocates, we can leverage this to inspire the world. <laughs> so That's the goal. Uh, <laughs> maybe maybe let's just start off by first introducing what, you know, what, what we're talking about here when we're talking about uh, kind of uh, different social medias and, and, and different areas. So what, what, what's kind of considered the, the, the staples and, and what other social medias are out there that we can use as uh, developers? Zach? Sure. I mean, I think um, when you think about social media, the first things that come to mind are definitely the traditional uh, Twitter, Facebook, um, probably LinkedIn as well. Uh, the, the the social medias that have been around for a very long time now, in terms of the internet space, I mean, you know, it's still only been a number of years. But um, yeah, those would sort of be, those are the staples that you would think of. And, and I think most people would assume you have a presence on there, um, even if you don't, but they'd expect you to. Whereas certainly in the last couple of years, there's definitely been a growing market for more niche um, social medias and other sort of ways to share content as well in sort of the broader sense of the word. So in that sense, we'd definitely be looking at things like TikTok, um, which has obviously had a huge um, sort of adoption by younger uh, generations and audiences. Um, and then other sort of more, more fringe things like uh, Dev.2 um, and other sort of blogging platforms and social media platforms that are targeting more specifically uh, a developer community or, uh, you know, a, sp a specific community of people, um, whereas I would say things like Twitter or Facebook were much more generalized. And uh, I was wondering, uh, because I haven't heard about your experience before, but it's not so much uh, your work experience that I'm wondering about is your relationship to social media, which came first? Did you started social media uh, through in a like professional capacity or was it already something you enjoyed personally and then you came into applying it for your work? Sure. So I, I definitely say it was something that was already there that I kind of enjoyed beforehand. Um, I live streamed in my sort of free time for quite a while, um, sort of uh, Minecraft mainly, <laughs> but there was quite a lot of personal social media behind that and um, sort of looking at how you can grow a, a brand uh, through that. So I already had that sort of capacity before I came into this role um, and it just kind of applied very nicely uh, to the advocate space really. Yeah, it's it's super interesting. What what and what social media are you on at the moment in the in the professional capacity, you know, in advocacy? And uh, I'm gonna lead into a, into a question after this to <laughs> to about that. Sure. Delineation between professional and personal uh, presence on social media. Yeah, sure. So uh, professionally, I am on TikTok, I'm on Twitter, uh, Dev2, and LinkedIn. Um, but we are also now starting up uh, live streams as well on Twitch. So uh, that's kind of that's our current coverage, and it, and then that will also flow into YouTube as well. But that's kind of a given if you're doing video content, it's going to be on YouTube. <laughs> Yeah, and how, how many people in your team is working to cover all uh, so, this? Yeah, so at the moment, I, I'm the only one handling this. 
Oh, wow. Um, so it's it's been a big part of my job. It's a big drive. Um, but we we are we are recruiting, <laughs> and we are looking for for more people to join the team and um, take on some more of the social side of it, as well as sort of traditional advocate roles. It seems a lot, not only because it's a many social platform, but also because they don't follow the same rules and they don't have the same goals. And how do you keep in check what you're doing for which, when, how? Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, it definitely has become a big part of my sort of weekly tasks. Um, but I think having that past experience and the enjoyment for it helps. Uh, so what I'll tend to do is sort of at the start of the week, start scheduling up content for that week. Um, I try to keep things fairly fresh. So I don't like to schedule too far in the future. Um, I think sort of trying to do it on a weekly basis is the best way to go. Um, quite often, if if you're sort of commenting on something that's going on at the moment, but by next week, it's old news and isn't relevant anymore. Mm. So, so yeah, I, I try to try to sort of do on Mondays, we do a week plan and get get my sort of framework scheduled out. And then you'll sort of spend a couple, maybe an hour, two hours a day, fleshing that out with extra interactions on those social medias um, throughout the week. Um, basically doing everything you can to make sure you, you, you come across more human than a robot. Um, <laughs> I think that's a very important part of it. Yeah, and what, what tools do you use to schedule? Because I, I know of a couple, but uh, you know, what, did, what do you find to schedule? And what's kind of, are there features in the tools that you use that you find help finding content, discovering content, commenting, you know, everything that is involved with social media around just posting, you know? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, certainly on Twitter, I'm still using TweetDeck. Um, I've been using TweetDeck since before it was owned by Twitter. And I think I kind of quite stubbornly tend to still use that um, as, a, as a tool. But I really quite like it because you can have lots of different um, views sort of set up and different um, searches. Um, so if people are tweeting about certain topics or, or hashtags, you can have a, a, a feed specific for that. And um, that's quite nice to be able to keep an eye on um, topics that are of interest that you might want to then uh, either sort of retweet or or focus on um, TikTok is a little harder because they do have a web platform, but it sucks. Uh, so most of the work has to be done within the app itself. Uh, so that's more of a manual process. Um, spending some time actually on the platform and, and, and looking at content as well. Um, I think my wife quite often comes in and says, "How are you working? You're just sitting on TikTok." I'm like, research, <laughs> research. <laughs> this, is, this is a very important part of it, I think. To, to yeah, to see what people are doing and talking about. So yeah, I think a lot of my tooling is quite platform specific, and it's kind of more developing personal processes for that. That doesn't necessarily scale very well when it comes to then having a team to do it, and that is something that I probably we'll be working on in the near future uh, to have something slightly more robust. Um, yeah, I find some of the tools that are used, like they have features, but they just don't work well enough to use them. Like I use Crowdfire and you can upload videos, but 80% of the time the video doesn't get passed through. And they just end up with this weird robot looking, this like dead giveaway that uh, you're not actually, you know, <laughs> the illusion that you're just, you're not a real person. But I know that I have a, a, a list of questions here, and I'm going to go rogue because I'm dying to know that. Uh, let's talk about TikTok just for a second, because I've seen other developer advocates on this, um, and I just six months ago I wouldn't, have, I, I just wouldn't have even thought to even consider or look at TikTok. I'm turning thirty in a month, so I'm about like. I'm in the upper echelon of TikTok users now, but okay, how, how, how do you use it in advocacy? What's the reception like? You know? Yeah, so um, I mean, I'm 28 myself, so for for most part of TikTok's life, I've kind of shunned it off as something for, for the kids to enjoy, but no. Um, <laughs> I found I found um, I sort of got into it as a, just a curiosity more than anything else. But what I did find is there's a really large developer community on there. What you've got is this whole new generation of developers who are going through university or boot camps and they're learning to code, and they're turning to the social media that they know best for help. Um, 
and for more information on topics. So I very quickly found that basically posting anything relating to development, uh, specifically for me, Android development, was really well received. People have that sort of thirst for, for knowledge, for consuming on TikTok. Um, there's very obviously there's lots of different sides to TikTok and the algorithm that sort of selects what you get to see really curates that. So you you go into TikTok as a new user and you kind of get bombarded by a lot of random videos, a lot of a lot of rubbish, a lot of stuff that is just like this isn't relevant for me. But if you keep going at it, uh, the algorithm gets very good at learning what you're interested in uh, and providing you content. And because of that sort of nature of you're the only video on that person's screen in that instant if you can capture that person's interest it's a lot easier for that uh, to then have them sort of follow through with that interest and comment follow you get involved uh, then something say uh, on like twitter where people are just endlessly scrolling through loads and loads of posts and they all blur into one um yeah I have a, a very different experience. Sorry, uh, Mackenzie. It's funny because we we sometimes we we try things, and definitely I'm a TikTok complete addict on my free time. So I of course I suggested to go there. Um, and uh, what's funny is like you were talking about endless scrolling, and that was my feeling. Uh, I felt like it was it was easy to get impression, and the algorithm make our organic. Uh, reach absolutely amazing and I'm, I mean my dopamine levels were really uh, going through the roof uh, making TikToks for my company but when it comes to getting people involved I felt like the gap was bigger than other social media and then again uh, it was definitely the, the maturity of my company we are a young startup so we're still looking for developers who understand what we do uh, so with more maturity than maybe students or people in their first position. Uh, and TikTok, I felt we were doing a lot of awareness and a lot of education. So for, for you, it makes sense uh, to find the Android young community and, and you achieve to get them involved with your, what you do? Yeah, I think, I think that's a very important thing um, with social media in general. It's picking the right platforms for the, for the people that you want to interact with. TikTok is definitely a very young platform in terms of its, terms of its audience. And what, we, what I do find is, yeah, a lot of the interaction we get are students or, or people still sort of learning or people who have only just kind of come into development. Uh, for us, that was kind of an, uh, an ideal um, audience because we're sort of very much trying to find people that are interested in new um, SDKs and, and, and new new frameworks, whereas older Android developers kind of get quite set in their ways and they, well, I have this framework that works. I don't need your work. That's <laughs> yours. You're, you're you're irrelevant. So finding new people who are willing to sort of accept new new ideas. Um, but yeah, you've, it's very difficult uh, to go into it and and know that without trying it. Um, some, you could, like you say, you can, you can go in, you can try and actually the results aren't great. Um, and it's, and, and it took, it certainly took me quite a while to understand the algorithm and understand what I needed to do to make my videos get in front of the people that, um, are what is actually... it? Tell us, tell us. <laughs> ah, well, and no, I mean, there, there's, I basically, that was quite interesting. I ran a sort of test for a couple of weeks of, uh, different combinations of hashtags, um, different ways of starting the videos and, and kind of did a bit of sort of AB testing really, and just kind of <laughs> used TikTok. And, and what I found is it really is very important to, um, include the right tags. Um, TikTok, I think tic people give TikTok and the algorithm too much credit sometimes. Um, and if you're not uh, tagging your, po your videos correctly, it doesn't actually really know what you're talking about and it doesn't actually really get it into the right people. It just kind of shotgun affects it, fires it at a load of people, hopes it sticks to some. So definitely important using um, the correct tags. A good description as well, just sort of like, 10 word sentence well, what your post your, your video is about and just getting to the point people absolutely hate videos where and they perform really badly where you kind of ramble on to start with which i was terrible at because i do like to ramble uh but 
if you, you you've got to stick to that concise kind of right um you get two options on tiktok either you can do 15 second video or 60 second video and i really try to make it a good point that everything i want to get across is in that first 15 seconds there might be more detail it might be a 60 second video there might be more detail but you do very quickly lose people um so if you can create a, a 15 second video that gets your point across it tends to have way better traction um, than sort of something that is 60 seconds even though 60 seconds still feels quite a short time um yeah and what about what about the kind of quality of the video like i mean do you do do you just record it on your phone do you edit it in TikTok? Do you do you yeah have fourteen cameras set up and screen sharing and I mean like I I have no idea what you need to do to get traction. I I think that's the other thing. I think with TikTok's quite forgiving in terms of the quality right. of the video. You can you with phones as they are now, you can record a video using your 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 front facing camera, and that's good enough. Um, I did get myself uh, a gimbal to steady my camera when I'm sort of going out and about or holding it mainly because I have quite shaky hands. So, so the video would be all over the place. Uh, but other than that, no, as long as you've got quite a good, well-lit room, uh, that, that's all you need. And I think that's the, the good thing about it as well, is it's quite a low level of um, hardware needed. It's not quite the same as if you're doing sort of an all-out live stream on Twitch or something. Uh, you can get away with your phone's camera, your phone's microphone. and. And yeah. now, now that you're on track, that you've met your community there, do you? And I see that you're very strategical, like trying different strategy with the with the hashtags. Do you? How do you keep track of your investment? And do you have you set target now? Are you like trying to reach something by the end of the year, or how do you make sure that you're doing incremental work with with your TikTok? Sure. So um, TikTok. Oh, has a, a account type called a creator account. It's free to it's free to switch your account over to that. And, but really, the only thing that that does give you is analytics on your content. So they have an analytics page on uh, online, and uh, you can quite easily track um, all the sort of key metrics, interaction rates, how many people have commented, how many people have liked, how many people have viewed. Um, and have you know your followers and all those sort of normal social metrics. Um, so definitely at this point in the game, it's kind of I consider as long as those are going up, I'm doing the right thing. Um, we haven't got any specific goals at the moment because it's still quite a new thing, and because as well, I'm the only one running it at the moment. Some weeks it's kind of just a case of well, I've got five conferences and a and a, a two-hour meeting i'm never going to get all the content done kind of thing so some weeks it's going to fall off but um overall as long as we're sort of heading upwards i think it's it's seen as being something that we can continue to pursue and what what is the content that you're that you're that you're putting on there I, and firstly is is it um is it a personal tiktok page is it a brand tiktok page like what 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 is it and what, what are you what are you posting so it's a a TikTok page for my my personal brand as a developer advocate. Uh, so Huawei do have their own accounts, but I mean, because of the size of the company, those accounts are run by marketing departments all around the world, and, and I've got nothing to do with that. So it's it's a very it's very specifically my account, but relating to everything that I'm doing within my job and encouraging developers to use the services. So it, it is a marketing channel, but it's a more personal one um where i can personally give my views on um the products and services that we offer you know sort of within the within the apis that i'm managing um and in terms of the content yeah so i'd probably say maybe 50 percent is is that kind of content is is me reviewing things another 25 percent would be more general android developer stuff so you know hey look at this cool new thing that i've found that you can do or advice on where to go for for help, or more general stuff that develop you know, young developers would be looking for, and then the other twenty five percent is basically just be being silly, really, and and getting on TikTok trends and and doing funny videos and, and that sort of stuff, um, because I think you know having a, a, a layer of humour is always very important. I'm I'm always I'm always cautious now of the delineation of 
personal and uh, professional because, I mean, I'm quite, <laughs> I, I'm a lot weirder in my personal life than I am in my professional life. And I try not to, to, to bridge this, but I, I, I think what I'm hearing from you too is that it's okay to kind of have a personality and be a real person, even when you're partly representing a brand. I think so. I think even on official brand accounts, having someone that's running that, that's showing their personality is really important because I think for many years, businesses took social media as just a way to push their marketing. Just they have an advert, they want to show it. But I think, especially in the developer community, people like to know that there are actually people there that, you know, if they've got an issue with something, they can ask an actual person if you know, if they want, if they've got advice and feedback on a feature and they want to be able to kind of contribute on something, they know there's actually someone there that was going to say, oh, yeah, that's that's a great idea. Or how have you thought about this? Um, so it, it, like you say, it's a balance. You've got to show some personality, but hey, maybe not necessarily all your personality is business fit. <laughs> you know, for example, you know, as an example, my my TikTok is I definitely call it sort of PG. It's definitely less sweary than my personal life. Uh, <laughs> so you know, it, there's there's certain boundaries that you you develop, and and you know, there's there's things that I would do on a personal account that I wouldn't do on on, on my kind of business account. And do you have and one thing that you said before? Um, sorry, Alex, I can see that you, you're dying to ask something. Um, but last question, then I'll, I'll, I'll let you I'll let you fire away. But uh, where, do you, you you said something that resonated with me before, and that was that it is your brand, your personal brand as a developer advocate on your TikTok. I think that resonated with me on on creating some rules around uh, around. Around that, but do you have social media for just yourself too? And is it confusing if you do have both? I'm not just TikTok. I mean, in the broader in the broader sense. Yeah. So I mean, I do. I do have a personal uh, Twitter account, personal Facebook, um, and yes, it can be a bit confusing. It can. I, I find myself using my business one more uh, just because I kind of get into the habit of being on there more. Um, and I think I've always been case where I don't just have social media for the sake of having social media it's always had a purpose so whether it was my live streaming uh, personally and, and building a brand there or, or, or what have you um, it's always had a purpose so I don't tend to use personal uh, social media as much at all um, and certainly my Facebook it's that's basically only there as a way to talk to family members that are in other countries um, and not yeah, and not really, not anything else. I don't really post anything there. Uh, and I wanted to react about uh, boundaries. You were talking about self-imposed boundaries, but I was wondering, have you? I don't know if it's uh, sensitive or not, and feel feel free to answer. But is your have you worked boundaries with your company? Do they give you a strict perimeter? And also, because it's your account, like you, for example, TikTok, it's your TikTok account. Do you have to transfer to them if one day you were to leave for another project? Like, how how does this kind of stuff works really? Yes. Yeah, so, so this was definitely a conversation that we had uh, when I joined and when I said, look, I want to do a social media sort of campaign, as it were. And we came to the sort of conclusion and agreement that I should retain control of these accounts. Um, these are my accounts and all of them also include a dis disclaimer in the description saying these are my views and don't represent the views of Huawei. Um, and in doing that, they were very happy for me to sort of maintain that, that, that that's mine um they have their own social media accounts that are all business accounts and are more have a more business focused marketing you know um kind of setup so this was definitely always going to be something that was more personal and more about myself within the role not just the company uh, and i think that's where sort of advocates using social media that fits in really well with the company uh, most companies will have an official account um, but i think it's good to and, and advocates might actually post to those accounts and might use those accounts but i do think it's good on the side to also have a seemingly personal account for the advocate even if it actually that's still a business account to them uh, an account that's more specific to each advocate who wants who wants to do take part 
do you coordinate with uh, with the company with their social media strategy or do you work uh, on your own way and, and do things completely yeah. yeah i mean week on week uh, we kind of work separately but we do try and meet up at least once a month and talk about kind of longer goals and bigger strategies that uh, they're they're sort of working for so um, the marketing team might say, well, yeah, this this month our focus is this this feature, this new functionality. And I'll probably dip into that and, and add my own views on it and, and share that with my network. Um, and likewise, if I've got an idea, if I've, I've seen maybe developers are, are requesting a new feature or they've got some, you know, something's going on in my community, I can relay that back to the so the sort of main marketing departments, and they might then use that for something, make a story out of it, or however however they might want to work with it. So so there's a loose connection there, I'd say. Um, yeah. Do you have a connection with the, the product team, the same giving, like if you have a sense of strong feedback from the community you're in touch with, you, you can bring that back to? Yeah, so I'd say my connection with the product team is much closer. Uh, we so we definitely talk at least once a week, if not more. Uh, that's that's a definitely a closer connection. So my sort of other sides of my advocacy roles, I, I do a lot of the documentation review as well uh, and helping them come up with code samples as well. So we have quite a close uh, working relationship there. Okay. Okay, and I mean, we've talked a lot about uh, kind of the output, the content creation and publishing and, and all of that. What about the community feedback and engagement? How do, you, how do you go about kind of getting feedback on TikTok, on Twitter, on Dev2? You know, um, how, because this is, I mean, Twitter can just feel like throwing a sausage into that vacuum of space sometimes because it just, like, just disappears. And, yeah. You know, but, but you know, what do you find on the different social medias for actually creating uh, a, a, some engagement. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think I think you're right in that it, each platform is very different. So for example, on TikTok, I think because so much of the content is kind of just watch this video, you know, this is my content, I've put it out there. A lot of the time, if you actually ask questions in your video, uh, you actually, you get quite good feedback. A lot of people are there ready to answer those questions. They want to, you know, have their views heard on TikTok. Uh, where, whereas I'd say on Twitter, yeah, you're right. People, there's so many different posts, there's so many different people's opinions flying about. Uh, sometimes it can be more difficult to do that. And I often find on Twitter, the better result is to use a, a poll instead and kind of restrict. The options uh, a little bit using that method. So I think Twitter allows you to have four four options in your in your, in your poll, and those tend to have a lot more interaction than just asking a question on Twitter. Uh, sometimes I think people on Twitter they just need a little bit of a steer into what you're looking for from an answer, and they'll they'll then they'll you know they'll they'll answer your poll, they'll select an option, and then they'll quite often also comment below expanding on what they've selected. So I find that works quite well. But yeah, it's a very different experience on Twitter than, than on um, TikTok. And, and what are your, kind of your main social media platforms? And more importantly, which is the worst? Which is, which is the crappiest platform for developer advocacy? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, I think my main ones at the moment are definitely Twitter, TikTok, and LinkedIn in terms of pushing out content. I've definitely found that TikTok is the best. For, for our audience, for a younger audience, it, it really has been a great experience. In terms of the other two, I mean, I, th I sometimes find stuff can get really lost on LinkedIn. And you end up with this kind of community of connections where most of them are recruiters and no one actually cares anyway. So it's, it can be it can be difficult to curate a good a good network on LinkedIn, um, and then like you say with Twitter, Twitter, you find yourself putting a lot of effort in when actually your sort of your posts and stuff go completely ignored by most of the people on there. So yeah, it's a toss up in terms of what will be the crappiest. It's definitely <laughs> hard to um, 
Facebook hasn't had a mention yet. Do we use Facebook at all? Well, I think you could definitely argue that by by the extent that we're not even talking about Facebook, Facebook <laughs> is the barriest. I think <laughs> it's just, just yeah. It, I I found from what little I did use Facebook for for sort of advocacy stuff, it's it's just so polluted. Like it's 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 impossible to get to the people you actually want to talk to mm. in a professional way. I I, I found yeah. I mean, the, some of the ideas around Facebook, having these groups and communities is almost like subreddits, you know. I mean, Reddit works pretty well for publishing content. Um, it can get uh, it can get quite nasty, the two-way conversation if people don't like it. But, but you know, and, and Facebook, you have these groups um, and all that. But, yeah, again, it doesn't, it feels, it just doesn't feel like anyone's there anymore. Like, people are there, but, like, it doesn't feel like anyone's engaged in that platform. And, and I think, I think, that's exactly what's going on is they've got billions of users, but people just aren't using the platform for much else than talking to relatives or, you know, mm. they just, I think the, the days of people actually using Facebook as their main social media, as their main way to connect to people have gone. They, it just doesn't happen anymore. And Facebook keeps kind of grasping at straws, creating new features, trying to bring people back. But the young, the younger audiences just aren't interested, and therefore the age of the average Twitter uh, Facebook user is just aging every year. Um, hey, I think, I think, I, I definitely think like my grandparents probably use Twitter more than uh, Facebook more than I do. <laughs> so, it's not and, very uh, useful. Facebook being the most mature of all social networks, do you think we're doomed to go toward that direction for TikTok, for Twitter, for every single other platform as well? I mean, I, I do think that it's the kind of the Achilles heel of social media staying relevant. It's very difficult for a platform to mature in terms of its functionality, its features, its stability, but also stay relevant enough that the next generation are interested. A lot of it, because I mean, the amount of social medias that uh, social networks and stuff that are out there that fail, there's, there's, you know, there's thousands. And it is because it just so happens that whatever the, the next generation pick up then takes off. So it's very difficult for a pre-established company to replicate that in any sort of meaningful way. So yeah, I, I would agree that I think most social medias tend to curve off and, 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 and die away, uh, if not by their user count, by the fact that it's very difficult to monetize as a social media company without you know annoying your users by covering your site in adverts so if you manage to succeed and stay relevant you could inevitably still die because the the venture capital's run out mm -hmm. so yeah it, it definitely is a difficult situation all right talking about social medias coming up and dying did you use at all oh, i can't even alex you're gonna have to help me i can't even remember the name Clubhouse, yes. Not that Clubhouse. Did you get involved in Clubhouse? I, I think. I think I I went I I registered. I had a look, and then no. To be honest, no, I didn't. Yeah. Um, it it very much felt to me uh, like one of these social medias that are a bit of a fad, and they last for maybe six months a year, and then people stop using them because. There's not much sustenance there. There's not much actual actually going on. It's it's the it's the new kid on the block, so it's exciting. And then yeah, I I just don't see it sort of hanging around for much longer. Um, if not already, I haven't really kept an eye. It might be dead already. <laughs> yeah. I, I had no idea, but I tried. I really tried because I was like, I'm gonna get it on the ground floor. I would have become Mr. Advocate on Clubhouse, and I just couldn't figure out how to do anything. I couldn't figure out how to join rooms, create rooms. Twitter brought out their version, but I haven't been able to figure out that. I, I'm not sure if I missed. I think it's approaching thirty. I think none of it makes sense once you start approaching thirty. It just, yeah. just can't do it. <laughs> I think you slowly qualify for Facebook, uh, Mackenzie. Well. Wow. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Starts becoming more and more appealing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
and I wanted to bounce back on the, uh, earlier for talking about TikTok. You were saying like right now I'm trying to rise my my KPIs, um, eh, and I'm thinking about the situations that kept, uh, keep me uh, alive at night. And one of them is uh, my KPIs are falling down. Um, and is that something that happened to you? Uh, there is two other situations that keeps me awake at night. One of them is is people just uh, doing a wolf pack onto uh, one of my posts and and you know being uh, negative systematically or even trolling uh, it happens to uh, my company before i arrived and i my whole company was a bit traumatized about posting and sharing on social media because of that which i can understand um mm. how have you dealt with this kind of situation before yeah sure so it's definitely it took a while for you know the metrics to start going up there was a while there where it would dip and it would wobble and and it wasn't until I, just one of my videos happened to go kind of well better than any of the others had previously and sort of started sort of racked up about 10,000 views and was starting to get quite a lot of traction that i really saw a, a kickoff and it does kind of seem like that's the kind of thing that the um the algorithm favors is once you've had one video that's very successful, it's much easier to retain that success as long as you're consistent with your posting. If you uh, sort of fail to post for a few days, it's very quick that they'll just drop you off. It's not the same with YouTube as sort of a lot of the big content creators will often say that, you know, if they try and take a week or two weeks off for holiday, they come back and their channel is just trashed because it's no longer a bit showing up on recommended and that sort of thing so yes it does happen uh, but i think you have got to stick at it and try and have a consistent schedule is the, is the biggest thing there and as long as your content is what some people want it will start to pick up because there will be an audience out there and you will find them in terms of trolls and uh, that sort of thing yeah it's definitely something that does happen quite a lot um obviously well not necessarily obviously but huawei have not the best reputation in the sort of the EU and after sort of the sanctions with the US, there's a general kind of negativity in the Western world towards them. And that's been something that definitely I've seen. And I think really it's a case of highlighting the positives and completely ignoring the negatives. The, the main thing that trolls and that sort of people like is a reaction. They want, they want you to answer back to them. They want you to interact. They want other people to answer and stuff. So just ignoring it is the easiest way and, and putting more of a spotlight on when someone does do a positive comment. Um, on TikTok, you can reply to a comment with a video and then that person's comment shows up in the video and they, you know, they, they get a bit of visibility from that. So I often will do that if someone's posted something particularly interesting as a comment and just highlighting that positivity and, and staying positive. It's tough. It can take a lot of energy. It can take a lot of um, sort of hard skin. But it, yeah, it's the only way you can do it really is, is just to push through. And eventually, at least I've found recently, it does start to drop off and people get bored and they go find something else to, to spend their time on. Mm. Reddit is always the one for me where I uh, I, I could really uh, I could really be a sensitive sausage and uh, get my get my feelings hurt. <laughs> but because and I found that what the, the goal is is that when I post something on Reddit, I always try and get a couple of people just to write a nice comment because I found that if the first comment is bad, everything just follows the same thing. And I swear people don't even read read the credit opinion; they just kind of. Once the oh, thing yeah. gets in, then it just it just kind of like all right, attack mode, uh, and it can be disheartening, especially when you. I mean, it, you know, like uh, yeah, especially when you've put effort into something or you know gone gone along with that. But it's it's interesting what you're saying is to not engage with it because I always I always try to write back and then yeah then then I then I then I get my feelings hurt twice. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean. That, I think that's the thing is you always you always get drawn to well here's all the reasons why your 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 statement is wrong I can prove that you're wrong, but at the end of the day I, I don't know who said it but there's a quote that says you should never uh, argue with an idiot because they'll always beat you on experience. Yeah. So they're just you're never going to persuade them. They've already made their mind up. Like you say, they probably haven't even read 
whatever it is that you've posted. And the only way that they will go away is if you if you ignore them, and they'll go find something else, someone else to bother. Uh, because that's what they're there for, is they want that confrontation, they want that, that argument. And, and I don't want to sound dramatic, but do you have a support system uh, with other DevRel uh, within the company or maybe outside? Oh yeah, no, I think um, we, we do very much try to make sure that we are all here for each other. Uh, there's lots of developer advocates and lots of different teams for lots of different products within Huawei, obviously, you know, being such a huge company. And we do try and chat to each other share experiences um you know have have spaces where we can kind of openly bitch about stuff that's happened that we didn't like and you know get that frustration out in a sort of controlled way i think is the it's very it's very important yeah. yes well, yeah, definitely. you know you, you said that it's, it's dramatic alex but you know one of the things is that uh negativity is fine once you realize that you're not the only one when you realize that this is just kind of part of being a developer advocate, that developers and engineers have strong opinions, often very well thought out opinions too about stuff. So it's not just kind of, you know, your article sucks. What's worse than your article sucks is your article sucks because I think it's wrong in these number of reasons. And then you, then you start to doubt yourself, you doubt your content, um, you know, that imposter syndrome sets in. So, you know, like, of, of course, I mean, people just at home thinking, oh, they're just being, Bunch of sensitive sausages and stopping so dramatic. And well, it's. It, I think it's important just to know that it's not just you, and that it's going to happen. And then it becomes easier to 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 move on. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think as well, it's the flip side of having your social media being more personal. If someone's got a grievance against the company, they're probably more likely to go after your your content because they know there's a person there. Whereas complaining to the the company's Twitter handle or what have you, isn't gonna get mm -hmm. the same response. So yeah, mm -hmm. it's about knowing that, yeah, it happens, it happens a lot, but it's not It's, it's not personal, it's not about you. <laughs> it, is, it is normally about something very different. Now, I have, I have an interesting question too, and that's about what's the end goal with building social media following? Let's say that you have you know, you've worked hard, you've created the funniest TikTok videos ever, your, your Twitter polls are absolutely on point, and you know, <laughs> you're inspiring everyone on LinkedIn. So you've got this huge following of people. As advocates in developer relationship, how do we use that? What's our goal and what what do we want to to encourage that? What what's the, the, the best outcome? of that yeah i think well i think that's very important to have have that in mind from from as soon as you start and i think it does vary depending on your company depending on your product depending on the goals of your advocacy team uh, for for me personally it is about getting uh, developers interested in our platform and adopting our tools so it will be about well you know can we see an increase in people that are coming over from twitter to um to the you know to the developer forums or can we see more downloads of our um, you know IDE from from these links that have been shared that sort of thing but it does very much depend on your goals as an advocate within your company it might be that your your goal is just to raise brand awareness in general uh, it might be to kind of uh, educate people better on on what your product actually is. Uh, that that's kind of a, a secondary goal that we have found that actually so one of our products is is the app gallery which is huawei's app store and certainly within sort of western markets very few people know it even exists uh, so getting developers to upload their applications onto it is very difficult when they don't even know what it is so so you know just general which is obviously a metric that's much harder to measure but getting general um Product awareness is always a great, a great goal to have from your social media, but also kind of giving a new avenue for people to interact with the company, to share ideas, to give feedback. I think a lot of people are much happier giving feedback on social media than filling in a feedback form on a website. Uh, I think there's that kind of um, idea that you fill in a form on a website and it's just lost into a void, and no one's actually ever going to look at your, your, your what you've written 
whereas on a social on the social media platform you're you're kind of getting like direct instant response uh, even if it's just oh yeah great idea so you have to think about it from a company's point of view what you want to achieve but there's a lot of ways there that you can really benefit the company's branding and sort of adoption i think those are really important things to to try and target I think it's a really cool thing that uh, the DevRel position, you meet a sense of purpose and a will to connect with people with uh, supported by the company uh, strategic goals and, and the, the product and solution they offer. It's really cool. Um, I was wondering if you have uh, any, uh, you, you listed some tools that you use for social media earlier. I was wondering if you have any tips for us to become a better or closer to who you are as a TikToker, not, not as a TikToker, as a DevRel in the social media world? Sure. I mean, I think my biggest tip is to, to just start. A lot of people spend so long thinking about what they're going to do. What am I going to post? Worrying about it, spending days and days writing out. Like, Just start. Just, just inject a bit of your personality into it and get going because the easiest way to know what will work is to try. And then from there, you can curate what has worked and kind of foster that that style of content, whatever that might be. I think too many people, too many people, too many sort of gurus on the subject give out advice that just you need to do X, Y, Z, and, and that's it. You're going to be, you know, the biggest TikToker ever. But it really depends on your personality and your audience as to what is going to work. Um, you, it's not a one size fits all, and um, you know, but. My biggest advice would be, yeah, you just need to just start start producing content and be consistent because the second you kind of get a bit flaky with it, you're going to get punished by by TikTok basically. Mm -hmm. So you know, say set a goal, say right, I'm going to post once a day, every day, and 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 just start. It's so funny what you say. It's been like literally six months and I've been like, okay, I'm going to start TikTok and this is going to be my first video and then this is going to be my strategy. And, you know, like, I got it, but I've been thinking about it for so long and I'm, I'm so stressed out about it. Like, like my first video is going to need to be perfect and then, and then I'll probably get completely disheartened when three people watch it. <laughs> no, there is that. And the thing, especially with, well, with all social media, really, if you post something that doesn't do well, it's going to get buried very quickly. So it really doesn't matter. You know, if one post succeeds or fails, that doesn't matter. It's 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 the performance over the course of weeks and months is where it, it matters. So you've got a lot of freedom there to, to experiment. Uh, yeah, yeah, only on the social media, like community management side of things, being buried can be a soothing uh, thing to know. Like, don't worry, Mackenzie, you'll get buried. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. Uh, there's a couple of tweets that I'm, I'm very glad, uh, very glad uh, uh, I'm buried, particularly looking back at the menu as you as you grow as an advocate and human. <laughs> yeah. But Alex asked, what's, what's some of the best tips for this? Now I'm going to do the opposite. What's the worst thing that you feel that like you could do on, on, on social media? What's, what's a big mistake that you've seen, you've done, be even better? Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. Well, I mean, definitely it, it's a case of not being authentic. If you, and uh, trying to be too formal, I think that was my biggest issue. It, initially, mm -hmm. when you, especially when you're sort of thinking about a business account, or maybe even a, a, an actual brand account, it can be easy to think, ah, oh, this needs to be formal. This needs to be like I'm writing an email to the CEO of some, you know, some big company, and it needs to, but that just isn't the case. And your your content very quickly suffers for that. So it, it can take a while, but it is about finding your comfort where you sit comfortably. And yeah, some of some of my early content, certainly on TikTok, is it, you look back at it now and it's just pure cringe. And you're like, why did I ever do that? You know, oh, I tried to jump on that trend, and I was like, it wasn't me at all. Why would I? I would never do that. It was ridiculous. And so, yeah, I think I think that's the thing is is people will very quickly see if you're not being authentic and genuine, and also very easily, certainly on a video platform, very easily tell if you're uncomfortable. And what you're doing is is is, is not natural. It's not comfortable. 
and that just tends to make quite poor content. It doesn't tend to work very well. So, so yeah, yeah, be authentic. No, I love it. I think that's that's. I think that's one of the, the best the best tips to do. It's something I could definitely relate to. I know that Polycode and Alex are fantastic at that, and I've uh, certainly changed my approach. That they've got personality for days coming out of their social media. <laughs> I was much more robotic. But yeah, I think I think that's something, something definitely I've I felt with is that it just I mean I've brought it up a lot of times. So obviously it's something I've struggled with, that delineation between trying to figure out what's brand, what's you, what's your brand. And um, I think I think just a non-sparing version of you should be I, I think that's a good baseline to be honest. Yeah, it's, you, know, try, you know, be an accessible version of yourself and don't offend anyone and you should be good. <laughs> I, I feel like we're reaching that point when we've asked so many questions that we're turning the DevRel podcast into an aspirational podcast. <laughs> I, I, I think we, we need to stop it now. Now, I, I, I want to thank you, Zachary, for joining us. Uh, if people want to reach out to you, I mean, I definitely want to know what's your TikTok. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm dev with Zachary, uh, basically everywhere. So on TikTok and on uh, Twitter. Um, so yeah, uh, dev with Zachary, all one word. Superb. And uh, Mackenzie, maybe you can remind uh, where where to follow your, your posts. Yeah, <laughs> advocate, advocate Mac, just about everywhere. So Twitter. Um... TikTok soon. Yes. <laughs> I think okay. I do have. A, I think I do have a, a TikTok account. And I'll have to try to see if I saved uh, that password in my password manager. But we'll, we'll see. Some fresh content with ample personality coming out soon. Very <laughs> good. Thank you very much, Zachary. And uh, well, uh, we hope to have you back uh, soon for more social media yeah. things. It's been great having. It's been great uh, talking to you guys. Thank you very much. Cheers. Thanks. Cheers.